0: Over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. Let me pray for us and ask the Lord to help us as we walk through this text here about. Um, the famine and Joseph and the family what's going to happen today and I promise you that it will bless you today it's going to be encouraging to you today because God's words give life and, and I pray today it to give life to us today as we walk through this word today so let me pray for us and get right to it Father God in heaven Lord we thank you Lord for your goodness we thank you for your mercy we thank you for your grace Lord we ask you to bless us at this time Lord We're all in need of a word this morning. So, Lord, we ask you to give us a word. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to encourage us this morning in the word. And for those that are not in Christ, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to open up their eyes for them to see your glory here today. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom, Lord, to lead your people faithfully right now. Help me, Lord, at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. One of the things that used to get me all the time as a kid We'll go to a restaurant as a family, you know. You got that one person, right, that will order uh, a water, and everybody else have a Sprite, right? And so the waitress or the waiter would come out with a, would ask you a, a handful of drinks, right? And sometimes the cups are the same color. And we don't know which one's the water, which one's the Sprite. Because everything appeared to be the same. Sometimes looks right can be deceiving, but sometimes it takes time to figure out which one is the actual right drink. So for me, if I ordered a Sprite, normally I would be the one that asked me to actually get the water. I don't know it's always me to get the water, right? But I'm always the one to get the water out of all of my siblings growing up. But not only that, you think about other things in life that kind of can be very similar that it might be a little bit different. One of the things me and Chris talked about this morning, when the kids learn the ABCs, a lot of times they get the, the B and the D mixed up, right? Sometimes they think a B is a D and a D is a B. They kind of get, kind of think that both of them are appear to be the same, but they're not. Well, other things in life you might think about, something might be the same. Another two things I get messed up is a jaguar and a cheetah. Does anybody know the difference between those two? I kind of still get them messed up at times, you know. I get them messed up the color gray and also silver. The reason why I'm saying this today is that to giving these examples how things may can be appear one way, but it might be a little bit different. In today's test, we're going to see that here today. Things going to be seen as so severe and so bad, but in the midst of it, though, is that. God is going to look at the things that we see as severe and so bad he's going to be used on very certain things to be able to bless his people. How do we relate to this today in our lives? Think about what you have going on in your life right now. Or those around you have going on in their life right now. It might seem appear to be so bad right now but I would say this right here. God know what he's doing. God knows what he is doing. He doesn't make a mistake. God doesn't make a mistake at all. God is faithful in all his ways. So if I title the sermon today, everybody listen to this. God knows what he's doing. Everybody say it with me. God knows what he is doing. Even when it doesn't Seem like it. Even though you don't understand what's happening right now, God knows what He's doing. It's no mistake at this second. What's happening in your life at this very, very second right now is no mistake with that. So, how are we going to feel? How are we going to see this? Let's jump to point number one. Point number one is going to deal with the promised family is in desperate need. The promised family in desperate need. That's going to be starting in verse 41 and 53 all the way to verse 57. We learn there's a famine in the land. Do everybody know what a famine is? A famine is a land that has kind of been in drought. You can't grow anything. You know, you can't grow, you can't harvest uh, certain vegetables because of the drought. Nothing is growing right now. So right now, a drought is happening in the world. But if you remember, Pharaoh had a dream. And someone interpreted Pharaoh's dream and said, yeah, a drought is coming for seven years. Who was the guy that did that said the dream? Who, who interpreted Pharaoh's dream? Joseph. It was Joseph. And Joseph said that after seven years of plenty, it's going to be seven years of famine. famine. And so in verse 53, it tells us, The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to the end, and the seven years of famine began to come. As Joseph had said, there was famine in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was fam- famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh t- said to all the Egyptians, "Go to Joseph, and what he says, you do." Famine is bad for us. If everyone dies in this famine, right? If everyone dies in this famine. How would a Messiah come, right? If the famine is so severe in the land, that means the people of God need to be preserved, but how can they be preserved if it's a famine? That's good. So right now, they're in the facing of evil right now. They are in the facing of evil that's happening around, that famine is happening. The people are facing death at this moment. And what is God going to do? Why is God allowing a famine if he's God? If you're a good God, why are you allowing bad things to happen? This doesn't seem right, does it? If God is restoring things to himself, if God to make everything good, why is it allowing a famine to happen for people to die? This isn't the way we see restore the world should look. If he's going to restore the world and make things good, it should look different from a famine, right? So why is God allowing a famine to happen? This, is a, this isn't the way to justify mankind to himself. This isn't the way for sanctification. This isn't the way for, for many to come, to, to, to flourish and this is for people to die. So what is God doing right here? In the past, God has promised a land that would be a blessing to others. If the land is going to be a blessing, why is it famine? The land is desolate. God, you promised that this land is going to be a bounty land. It's going to be a flourishing land. The Lord, we can't even grow tomatoes in this land. So what is going on here? God, what is happening here? If you're going to bless us, what is happening now? Your people are about to die. So for you here today, what's in your life that's asking the same question? If you're in Christ, you believe in Jesus, things are not adding up for you, right? Does these same questions resonate for you this morning? That now you are praying to Jesus, right? And God said he's going to promise he's going to leave you, he's going to protect you, he's going to keep you, he's going to guide you. But right now you feel desolate. You feel famine. You feel empty. I mean, the land is desolate, it tells in this text. But God has said He will never leave us, but at times we feel like we are so alone. Am I the only one in here? No. So, if that is the case, then, is that why are these things happening? How do we not understand what is happening? What is going on here? I remember not too long ago, for me, um, I lost my wallet. I looked everywhere for my wallet, I was panicking. Like, it might be in my workshop. It might be in the car somewhere. I might have dropped it at the park. I'm not sure. Greg might have stolen it. I'm not sure. But I looked everywhere for my wallet, and I couldn't find it. This was unexpected for me. Because now I got introduced to Apple tags. Anybody got an Apple tag? I have an Apple tag, and I put it in my wallet. So if I lose my wallet, my Apple tag actually shows me where my wallet is located. So for me, I have an Apple tag, but still for me, I panic. I panicked because at the time I had it, but I still couldn't find it. My Apple tag said it's in the house, but I couldn't find it in the house. <laughs> so guess what I did? I went to the house, I went back to the car, came back to the church, still looking everywhere because I didn't trust the apple tag at the time. And a couple of days later, things um, uh, later on, I found it on the side of my bed, my wallet. And my apple tag told me that it was in the house all, of along, all alone. But I didn't trust it at that time. The reason why I didn't trust it, because I thought I looked everywhere. I couldn't find it. So I told myself over and over that I'm not going to trust this apple tag. It's somewhere else. Things didn't happen the way that I thought they was going to happen, that my wallet was going to be at this certain location. And I didn't trust the Apple tag, so I left my house, went everywhere else, and I couldn't find it, came back, was at my house. I think it's very similar to is that for us. The Apple tag, you know, Apple created it, they have tested this thing out over and over again, and they are guaranteed that this Apple tag worked, and it did work. It worked just fine, but I didn't trust that the appetite was going to work for me in that moment. And I think in a very similar way, when we panic, when we don't understand what is happening right then, we started to forget those things that we thought we can trust. One of the things for us is Jesus. When we panic, we said Jesus is never going to leave us. A lot of times we panic and we forget and we kind of say, hey, he said he's not going to leave us. He's not right here right now. So guess what? Let me turn to something else. Let me turn to a man. Let me turn to a woman. Let me turn to, to this, to money. Let me turn to attention. Let me turn to these things in life to get the attention that I think I can't get from Jesus. We panic. And right here in the text, we see a very similar way that the world right now is chaotic. And Joseph and his brothers, but jo- not Joseph, but Joseph's already in Egypt, but the brothers come to Egypt in a famine. And they come to the Egypt in a famine. For them, they come in to see how they can survive. Things are not adding up for them. They supposed to stay in the land of Israel and flourish, but a famine has come now and they must leave. But I would say this family is doing exactly what God intended it to do. Listen in verse 1 in chapter, I believe, 42. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of the Joseph brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. So all the brothers now, they go to Egypt, and they go to buy grain. And as they go to buy grain, at the same time, the brother that they sold in slavery is actually the governor of Egypt. You remember the brother stole, sold the brother in slavery? Joseph? Well, Joseph now is governor of Egypt. He's ruling over Egypt with Pharaoh. And then Joseph sees his brother coming up. The brothers are coming up. They don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph's seeing the same brothers. On that Judah, there he even actually tried to sell him and say, Hey, at least we can get some money off of them. Look at Levi, these brothers sold me out now. They come to Egypt. So, guess what? Joseph did. Joseph kind of continued with his royalty, he might have had a kind of a crown type thing on, whatever he had on. So, Joseph still kind of hid himself before them, he was right before them, but they didn't know it was Joseph. So, it's time to Joseph to get him back. What would y'all do in that situation? A person have betrayed you. They have lied to you. They tried to kill you. This is an opportunity now. You are in charge. You can get that person back. Would you get that person back? No. If somebody was very mean towards you, you have a chance to get them back. They lied on you. They tried to kill you. Whatever the case may be. Joseph has an opportunity to get all his brothers back that's coming there for food because of the famine. But what did Joseph do? Verse 7, it says, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dream that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, "You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land." They said to him, "No, my lord. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies." It seems that like Joseph is trying to pay him back, doesn't it? But nationality, Joseph is doing something else. This is what it seems. Joseph has something else in mind right now of his brothers. He can pay them back and kill them right now if he wanted to. But Joseph has something else in mind. Joseph said, you guys are spies. Y'all are over here trying to see what we got over here. Trying to see what's going on over here. In the words of Naim, you guys are trying to hit a lick. <laughs> and so you guys are coming over as spies and seeing what we got. Have the brothers now. So Joseph tells his brother then they're spies. To prove that they aren't spies, they have to bring back the youngest brother Benjamin. Okay. We're gonna keep one of your brothers. You guys gotta go back and get Benjamin then and let me know if you guys are not spies. So they go back to Joseph. I mean, they go back to Jacob, the father, and say, hey, this guy Joseph, he's gonna keep Simeon. But he said, We gotta bring Benjamin back. Benjamin is actually the son of Rachel and Israel, Rachel and Jacob. Benjamin is especially the youngest boy. He's the baby boy. This is everything to Joseph. So the brothers goes back and say, hey, gonna, he's gonna kill Simeon. We gotta bring Benjamin back. So the brother eventually brings Benjamin back. The father is at loss. The father said, My son should not go down with you. For his brother is dead, which he thinks that Joseph is dead. And he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on this journey that you are to make, you will bring down me, my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. So the dad is like, if you take Benjamin, Benjamin died. Jacob is already dead. Simeon is gone. I'm going to go to the grave. So family, how much can a father take here? Knowing all this stuff is happening here. A famine is happening. His sons are actually taken away from him. What is God doing? What is God doing in the midst of this? How much can a man of God take? Think about losing it all. Have you ever lost it all? Job lost everything, fam. He lost everything. Everything. Now we're seeing Joseph, Jacob is kind of losing everything. It's like he lost his, his wife has died in the past, Rachel. Now Benjamin is taken away from him. Simeon is arrested. Now J, uh, he thinks Joseph is dead. How much can he take? Family, how much can you take in your Christian walk? How are you making it right now with the things in your life? Family, we're only human, right? We're only human. How much can you take? after hearing bad news and bad news and bad news and somebody did this to you and this has happened, how much can we take? Sometimes it doesn't make sense, family. It's not about how much can we take. What is it? It is truly about how much can we trust God? How much can we trust God? In the midst of the unknown. How are we going to find this out here? In the last two points. We're going to find this out. The Lord provide for the brothers in a way that they didn't expect. And the last point we're going to deal with the Lord is going to provide for Jacob in a way that he didn't expect. So point number two. The Lord provide for the brothers in a way that they didn't expect. Joseph made it. But Joseph um, Joseph's brothers made it back to Joseph now with Benjamin. Jacob is left in Israel. So now Joseph is there as, as governor of Egypt. And before him he had Simeon, he had Levi, and the rest of the brothers now. So all of Jacob's heritage is gone now in Egypt. And Joseph was happy to finally see Benjamin. Joseph can almost hold himself together, his baby brother, because they had the same mom, Rachel. So Joseph finally sees Benjamin, but Joseph kind of cleared his face up. He didn't want to give himself away before his brothers. So what did Joseph do? Joseph, okay, you guys was honest. You guys did have a brother Benjamin. So I say, I'm gonna let you guys go back free. So Joseph loaded him up with so much grain, so much food. So much money. But guess what else Joseph did? One of the cups, one of the, the silver cups that the governor or pharaoh would drink from, he put that in their bags. They put that silver cup in the bags. So as the brother left out, Joseph men went behind them and he said, hey, our cup is missing. And he searched the bags. And guess what they found the bag at? They found it in Benjamin's bag. The son right there was so important to the father. And so Joseph was like, you guys have betrayed me again. You guys were spies. And Joseph said, now I must keep Benjamin forever. Think about what the father said. The father was already broken for Benjamin to leave. And Judah already pleaded with the father and said, hey, if Benjamin comes back with me and, and, and Benjamin doesn't come back, you can kill my kids. You can have mine. That's what, I mean, you can kill my kids. I think it was Reuben and Judah petitioned to Jacob. So now we see Benjamin is caught stealing. It's getting wild, doesn't it? What is God doing in this? Judah said this right here. After Joseph took Benjamin. To Benjamin for how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me I fear to see the evil that will find my father so after Joseph hearing all this he couldn't hold it anymore Joseph couldn't hold it anymore so then Joseph tells in chapter 45 verse 1 Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him he cried, he made everyone go out from me. from me, So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so the Egyptian heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. It is my father, is my father still alive? But his brother could not answer him but they were dismayed at this presence. How in the world is he living? He was also sold to the Israelites. How in the world is he living? How is he doing the governor out of all the things? Verse 4. So Joseph said to his brother, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph. Of whom you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Listen to this, everybody. Now do not be distressed or angry with your, yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. There are yet five years in which there will be neither flowering nor harvest. And God sent me before you, preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it, was, excuse me, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Christian church. Joseph didn't blame his brothers. He said, God sent me to Egypt. God sent me to Egypt for me to be able to preserve life. Well, I thought the brothers didn't send him to slavery. Joseph doesn't really mention that. He talked about his brother sold him to slavery, but Joseph said the main reason for this, but God sent me so I can preserve life. The reason why the famine happened, but God was going to use that to bring Joseph to Egypt to preserve life. Amen. Family, it didn't make sense for the brothers. God used their jealous heart to bring about the Messiah. God used their jealous heart to bring about the promise. God used the evil deeds of man to bless his people. Family, again, when a thing doesn't make sense, it's okay. It makes sense to God. Amen. God used the things that you, you think that cannot be used. He used a very certain thing to make you conform to the image of Christ. Family, this tells you that God's plans cannot be stopped. Your sins and my sins, our mistakes, our failure would not stop the plans of God. But our failures are part of what God is going to use to bring about his plans. So, family, can we relate to that this morning? What evil is happening to your life right now? What bad things are happening in your life right now? Family, it's no mistake what is happening. God is going to use those very things for those in Christ to conform you to the image of his son to make you more and more like him. God doesn't make mistakes. God is so powerful. There's a lot of times we always get a Satan the credit. The Satan is like he's over Jesus or something. Satan only can do what God allowed him to do. Amen. And even what God allowed him to do, God used those very things to bring about his promise. Family, Amen. we win regardless. Amen. Come on, I always say, what's the song, Jaqueline? Y'all listen to on the way to church this morning. All we do is win, win. Is that it? No matter what? Who, who, who? Is that how I go? Y'all, I got been to all y'all life. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm just, holy fools. But the song, all we do is win, family. That is so true for the Christian life. God used evil things for our good. So, family, we don't win. At work? When people are jealous of you? When people are trying to catch you slipping at work? I got you. When all those things are happening, family, those things right there are part of the plan of God. Amen. So what we can do, family, we can get our blood pressure medicine and stop stressing out all the time. And we can relax and say, God knows exactly what he's doing. We don't have to worry about what they're plotting against us. As Christians, we should be the most relaxed people around. Because at the end of the day, whatever they do against us, God's going to turn around for our good anyway. No matter what it is. So God done this for Joseph and brought his brothers in. And God used them. And Joseph could have stared back at a man, I, wouldn't, I shouldn't have saved none of y'all, son, for what y'all did. But Joseph came and said, no, it was God's will for me to come. For me coming, you guys saw that it was part of God's plan. Yes, you guys see your sinful this, but God has said, Messiah is going to come, and God has brought you. Because if the brothers didn't come to Egypt, they didn't come, we wouldn't have Moses. That's from Levi, right? We wouldn't have Judah where Jesus come from. Samson from the, what's Samson from? What tribe? Come on. What's well, Saul from the tribe of Benjamin? They wouldn't be here, all those tribes wouldn't be there if they would not preserved through this. Could God use this? The last point, how God provides, to, God even provide for Jacob. The word now gets back to Jacob about Joseph being governor of Egypt. So they went up out of Egypt. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now we see the spirit of Jacob being revived. Now he was downcast because he lost all his sons, but now he's revived, I'm hearing the good news that his only—that is—I say his only son—that is, his, his uh, uh, Benjamin is okay. But not only Benjamin, even Joseph is okay. This is different from Jacob getting the news from his son that Joseph was eating. Eaten by the beast earlier. This is different from Joseph being saddened by having uh, Benjamin sent to Egypt. Jacob is finally at peace. Jacob can finally die in peace. Jacob didn't understand what God was doing, but God was using the famine, the jealousy of his brothers, other brothers, the authority of Joseph, all and what all these things together to bring about His glory. So, family, the same God does the same today. He uses every moment in every situation to fulfill his promise and his covenant with the covenant people. So family, as you leave here today, remember these words right here, Lodeja. It is no mistake that some are, there's no mistake what God is actually doing in our lives right now. It's no mistake that some are introverts, family, in this room. It's no, it's no mistake that some are introverts. It's no mistake that some of you guys are gonna be doctors. Some of you guys are gonna be lawyers. It's no mistake that some of you guys are gonna be, be parents. Some of you guys are not gonna be parents. Some of you guys are gonna be single. Some of you guys are gonna be married. Family, all these things that are so different about us, God's gonna use some, all these things for his own glory. It's no mistake. There's no reason to hold your head down if you're single. no reason to hold your head down if you're married no reason to hold your head down if you're not a lawyer. There's no reason to hold your head down if you're not a beautician or not a lumberjack, football coach, family. All of us have different stories in this room. All of us have different backgrounds in this room. But God uses all of us in distinctive ways to bring about his ultimate glory. Let's end here with a couple applications here today. Listen to this. We should always accept that difficult moments does not work against God's plan. We should always accept that difficult moments does not work against God's plan. You guys believe that? Let me say it again. You guys look quiet in here. We should always accept that difficult moments does not work against God's plan, Mike. God will fulfill his plan regardless. God can't be stopped. Remember that. As no mistakes, he cannot be stopped. We must trust God at all times. Trust him. A couple verses right here I want to end with here. What does it mean to trust God when we don't understand? When we don't understand tomorrow. We don't understand what's happening. What does it mean to trust the Lord? It tells us in Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see the benefit of trusting the Lord. He'd make your path straight. Jeremiah seventeen seven. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who confidence is in him. Blessed, the one that trusts the Lord. Psalm 56, 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Proverbs 16, 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plan. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. How many of us trust the Lord today? How many of us truly trust the Lord? How many of us only trust the Lord only during bad times? Family, we should trust the Lord at all times. No matter what it may seem, trust the Lord. When that door seems like it's so closed, we serve a God that can open that door right back up. We trust the Lord. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, He tell them, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they would not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you would not be burned. The flame would not set you ablaze. This is another picture of those that trust the Lord. The Lord will preserve his people. Another talking about preserving in Psalm forty three eight. Let the morning bring me water, word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For you, I entrust my life. The last one is 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Family, you trust him, family. He will hear our prayers. So family, we must trust him and not put it in our own hands. Let us pray this morning. Let me pray for us and ask do for communion.